You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. fans welcome once again to the over and back podcast for sunday april 21st 2019 and happy easter to you mr benner and to you mr corbis hey hey, uh i'm jason this is rj and we're here once again to talk some nba basketball we are right in the middle of the first round uh Actually, we have some series decided. Some of them are inevitable for their finishes. We're almost there. And uh, there's been some interesting series this first round, but there's been some duds. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, let's just get the the one that's already decided out of the way. This is a a sweep, Boston-Indiana. Now, we've been talking about this one, how, um, I mean, Boston was kind of sliding into the perfect candidate, uh, a team that had momentum, had some injuries, completely lost it, and it showed. They played hard. They didn't necessarily get blown out. They they relied on defense, but they just didn't have any firepower that game. No, their offense, especially not having their star in Victor Oladipo, was far too inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it was... It was it was great for them to show that they're as uh, together of a team to even make the postseason after having you know such bad luck losing Oladipo before the All Star break. You know. Yeah. Yeah. True. So I mean, some again uninteresting. Some some stats that kind of stick out to me. Indiana shot forty percent. That's the second lowest of any team. Um, they shot forty percent from the field. They shot low thirties from three point land. But they're the worst free throw shooting team, which kind of struck me. Um, they're only shooting 72% from the foul line. Now, that, that seems like a really low number when you're considering that they played a very physical and ugly series. Uh, it makes me wonder, you know, I haven't done the math, but if they're shooting 82%, you know, does this turn into a, a six-game series? You know, it's possible, um, especially with uh, the pace that that series was played. It was They mm-hmm. were not up-and-down games. There was a lot of half-court, a lot of fouls, and, you know, that is a that is a big point. If they could have got that average up, these games that were close could have been a whole lot closer, and the series would have been made a little bit more interesting because of it. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, something to work on. Fundamentals, kids. <laughs> it put the mental in fundamental. No? I, I don't know if that's if that's how it works or not. Uh, they they Look also... The fun and fundamental. <laughs> is that what it is? They also averaged a, a playoff low, uh, 91 Point eight points per game as well. So again, I don't think many of our listeners are going to be Pacer fans. So they also not... averaged a postseason low of zero games won. Yeah, no, that's you know there there's there's a there's a potential tie for that now. There, there uh, is. There's a potential but tie. But right now they they're in the lead. They are definitely yeah. They have they have uh they have guaranteed that that spot with the zero win column. Uh, but somebody making a making a run for that. <laughs> is the next series, which is Detroit. The Pistons have been, I don't want to say embarrassed, but there's been some blowouts. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard. They've been out without their best player for most of this. He, Blake came back in the last game, but, uh, you know, it still wasn't enough to even get them really close to over the hump without him being at 100, 100%, you know. You know he was still struggling with that injury. Yeah, he had he, to be. He gave it his all. He put up 20, I mean, he shot over 50%, put up 27 points in 31 minutes. Um, even with that performance, the the Pistons couldn't couldn't get close. It was a double digit loss. Um, you know the the thing that stands out the most. And and I, okay, first of all, I'll admit to the listeners, I haven't watched every minute of this series because it is kind of boring, <laughs> right? Um, 
There's but, a lot of people with you there. <laughs> but Milwaukee plays like they're having fun, and they're they're they playing. Do. They're playing like they they have it dialed in. And out of everybody in the series, they're the only team that really stands out as as like a true top seed, a number one, number two that's right. playing like it. And I feel like a big part of that is. Giannis's spirit that he has when he plays, and he is just so uh, jovial and full of excitement, and he wants to get out there and and play with that joy from that was a kind of reminiscent of the Warriors like three years ago. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, the like just go out Warriors. there, yeah, right, <laughs> and just have a good time. And you know what? It's a game. Games are supposed to be fun, and Giannis <laughs> plays like he's having fun, and uh, it's nice that that sort of thing is uh, infectious for his teammates. Yeah, true. And and again, it's not just about having fun. That man is averaging uh, twenty one points a game, thirteen rebounds, shooting fifty six percent from the field. Yes. The best part about the whole series, though, is, my gosh, has anybody ever dunked from the foul line in a game before? He was maybe a, a half of a foot in there, you know, but that was probably, like, the longest in-game dunk I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I think that I have to take a little bit of uh, credit away from him, though, because of his ridiculous wingspan. That was more like... Oh, <laughs> you, you know how long he is? He got the ball... At the three-point line on the opposite end of the court, he only took one dribble before he dunked. <laughs> well, that's that doesn't say much because Iverson used to do that too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he didn't travel, so that, that's pretty impressive. Fair enough. Uh, so one takeaway that I think any Piston fans should um, should should take solace in is that this is exactly what they signed up for when they hired Dwayne Casey, mm-hmm. right? Get, get completely destroyed in the playoffs early. Well. <laughs> That, that being said, um, they had a better season than a lot of people projected. Yeah. Uh, still, Detroit wasn't expected to make the playoffs, and the mm-hmm. fact that they did, the fact that Blake Griffin kind of uh, just reinvigorated his, his career with with this season and shown that you know he's not just this Lob City guy that's you know lost a step. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it has made Detroit less of a pit for people to want to actually. To go to, to where they can probably get uh, some some good, maybe mid-level talent to come in there and fill some holes that they have in the roster to just kind of strengthen it up. And uh, yeah. before nobody, I mean, nobody wanted to go to Detroit. Yeah, from a talent standpoint, you're right. But but the bad thing about Blake Griffin is he comes with that albatross of a contract, and I think that's going to be Detroit's biggest challenge: is how do they acquire talent when they have uh, cap purgatory for the next four years. Yeah, but it's not as bad as some other teams who uh, are in much worse contract situations, and they're going to be able to pick up some really good mid-level talent that's not going to require these, you know, kind of astronomical deals that really screw up a team over the years. You know, you can get solid vets at close to the minimum, and and you know it could work out for them. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. And and again, that's what it really does take is it takes a good culture to be able to attract those people who can who can sign for eight million, you know, with twenty four, twenty five other teams. Well, that's one of the things you you didn't hear this year is for the last several years we've been hearing just what a mess Detroit is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that hasn't been the talk. So it's uh, it's nice to see that they're actually headed in the right direction in terms of their organization. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Also, to all of our over and back listeners, we try our very best on, on, a, on a shoestring budget um, to, to put out a, a, a decent quality podcast. And I want to say this episode we're doing something a little different. We're adding ambient noise of a lawnmower from my neighbor. Yeah, it's to me, sometimes that's really soothing. That's right. And before before you know it, we're going to elevate things to a chainsaw in the background, maybe. That, or, would, <laughs> that, would, that would be nice. Ladies and gentlemen, the Overback Podcast is brought to you by Sears Craftsman. Everyone needs a lawnmower. Sears Craftsman for your lawnmowing needs. 
The next team that we should be talking about is one that does not lack drama. It does not lack storyline. It is not boring and ho-hum like a Milwaukee-Detroit series. It's the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Brooklyn, yes, I said Brooklyn, Nets. Is, is anybody talking about this series? Has anything happened? <laughs> you know, they're not actually talking about the basketball in this series is what's, is what's really so going much. on. Not so when much. We, so when, when we last had our podcast, Brooklyn had just kind of punched Philadelphia in the stomach and stole a game on the road. Since then, it's kind of gotten a little haywire. Brooklyn has lost three straight really close games. Only one really wasn't too much in contention. It was that bounce-back game. Right. Uh, but, but they lost their, their two at home by fair margins. But it's less about what happened uh, during the game than what happened after the game. Right? Absolutely. So I'll paint the picture, and you tell me All what right. you think. Jared Allen, who has done his best to, to keep Joel Embiid in check, and it hasn't been super successful at no, it. No, he's gotten himself into foul trouble, and but he's trying. Right. He's young. He's, yeah, he's young. He's, he's been trying. Joel Embiid, uh, this, this has happened hundreds of times in the NBA, does a quote-unquote basketball move and elbows Jared Allen in the face. Correct. Drops, but, drops him to the ground. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen a lot of these uh, quote-unquote incidental elbow shots mm-hmm. that were not even twice as bad. I've seen some that were that were actually uh, incidental elbow shots. Boogie had one on a rebound where he barely touched somebody with his elbow to the head, uh, and they automatically ejected him from mm-hmm. the game because uh, uh, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's, you got to keep it clean. That's you know that's not allowed. Any right. sort of contact to the head is an automatic ejection. And the fact when you when you watch this replay, I mean. That was like old school vicious elbow swings, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. he purposefully swung around with his elbow up high. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he, he, he like knew he, was, where he was putting that elbow. Yeah, you he know? knew. It was, that was a total Bill Ambeer move mm-hmm. to the hole, mm-hmm. which I I thought it was great. However, I mean, this is 2019, and that's not allowed in the in the league anymore. Right. And there's this inconsistency that's being just. Uh, that's there with superstars lately through these playoffs. And you've seen them get away with so many calls, and especially this one, which was as obvious as it was. I don't know how those refs watch that replay, how they can watch that replay and then just give him uh, uh, a flagrant one with that. Because right. it was it, it was, was it one was... of the harder shots I've seen all year long. Right. And, and that's one thing. In the game, that happens... He, he gets to stay in, whatever. You shrug your shoulders and you say, hopefully the league does something. If not, I don't really care yeah. at this point. That was that was foul play, but it, it gets worse. it's basketball. It does. It gets much worse. Joel Embiid, who thinks he's funny, and half the time he is. I'll give him credit. Sometimes he does things that make me laugh out loud. Not just the emote or the, or the, uh, the text, LOL. Like, literally sit there and laugh at something that he does. This is not one of them. He's trying to be contrite. He's trying to apologize. And he's mm-hmm. trying to say it was incidental. I don't mean Jared Allen any harm. And then Ben Simmons starts giggling like a schoolchild. And Joel Embiid starts bursting out laughing. Like, this is funny. And then he tries his apology again and then laughs even harder. Right. It was it was unbelievable. And it shows me that, you know, those two were probably talking about it before they got up to the mm-hmm. press conference table. And, you know, he's like, oh, I guess, you know, maybe I better apologize even though, you know what I mean? It was it, – Ben Simmons was laughing because mm-hmm. as much as Embiid was trying to sound sincere, Simmons knew 100% that he wasn't sincere. Right, because Joel Embiid is a troll, and Joel Embiid doesn't care if he elbows, and he, he he did it on purpose, and he thinks he's funny and he can get away with it. Here's what, here's here's what bothers me. Here, here, I'm, I'm going oh, to ride, this, yeah. I'm gonna ride this, this horse for a minute. Here's what bothers me. He gets away with it because it's today's NBA. If anybody 
on the bench retaliates the next game, it's an instant suspension. Two games, right? Yeah. At least one game. So he gets away with it. I'll tell you what. You you have to have that player who says, you know what, my 10 minutes on the bench doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to knock Joel Embiid to the ground. I'm going to give right. him an old-school Charles no, Oakley th- foul. No, you know, it's in the world of sports, one of the best things that that there is uh, for to, to make you know the competitive competitiveness level rise is paybacks, mm-hmm. and there was never ever a time where you would see uh, you know somebody on your team take a shot like that and not have any sort of retaliation. That's and right. now, when you don't, I mean, even if it's as far as like. Somebody later on in the game, you know, giving Embiid a nice shot. And it's not right. like superstars are above that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, what was it? Uh, Kobe Bryant came out saying that, you know, there was this this play where um, he knew that Tracy McGrady had a, a bad back mm-hmm. and purposefully came, was going to the, coming down with a rebound and elbowed him right in the back yep. as hard as he could. And, you know, at the time, he was like, yeah, you know, it was an accident. It was a basketball play. You know, he came out now and said, no, nah, and I was – it was the playoffs. I'm trying to take him out. Right. Like, that, that sort of competitiveness isn't there. And, you know, uh, it's, it's I, a bit of a shame. I'm with you. So if, uh, if, we, wanted to, if we wanted to talk about um, uh, the Detroit series, about some of the drama that's going on, you think that this would be enough between game one's um, phone gate, between this elbow shot – between the chippiness with Jared uh, Dudley in the game, it doesn't end there. So there's even more nonsense. Somebody, kudos to whoever this is in Brooklyn, put up missing uh, posters for (laughs) Ben Simmons' jump shot. (laughs) The award was the value of his rookie contract. Great work to whoever that one was. Wait, who did you have to call? (laughs) I don't remember the number. Oh, it was, uh, no, it was, uh, uh, if you have any information with the whereabouts of it, call like Kendall Jenner or something. Oh, was it? Oh, <laughs> ouch, even worse. So that was funny. Jared Allen rides on this a little bit, kind of gets things taken out of context, but still says what we all have been saying. Hey, in transition, he's a great player. Get him in the half court, he becomes average. Yeah, Ben Simmons takes offense to this and then goes out and, and, and dismisses Jared Dudley like he doesn't matter, like, like, I'm not even going to speak yeah. about this player anymore. Well, he had a good game because the 76ers had an excellent game in transition, and that's how he got all of his points and mm-hmm. made an impact. It wasn't because they were running such a great half-court offense. So, right. you know what points to Jared Dudley for being quite observant and uh, speaking the truth, uh, you know, but, you know, good good on Ben Simmons. He needed to play aggressively in the way that he's effective by getting out in the open court and playing a full-court game. You know, hey, you know, when you play to your strengths, like Jared Dudley pointed out to you, <laughs> successful things happen. So why the hate? Yeah. So now talking about the basketball side of this, it's a 3-1 series. Uh, Philadelphia's in the lead. But the way Brooklyn had been playing and, and how many uh, – uh, times that they were in the lead in the last two games. Like, the game four, for instance, they there was 14 lead changes and eight ties. Uh, they led through most of the third quarter. They could easily be up 3-1 right now right. against that three seed that people were kind of anointing as one of the teams out of the East that could make it to the to the finals. I got to tell you, if the seven seed, or the uh, the six seed Brooklyn is putting you through the paces right now and you can't shake them, you got some problems. The... Um, the day, <laughs> I never thought it would happen. The day Jimmy Butler is one of your calmer starters, <laughs> that's a day that you're, you're, 
you're probably you're probably in trouble, and I can't see even if they make a deep playoff run. The way Brett Brown has lost his locker room and he has no control over his players, he probably shouldn't have a job. Right, and the weird thing, yeah, there there hasn't been much Jimmy Butler talk in this whole right. series, <laughs> even though he's the guy who's been basically carrying them. Yeah. Really, I mean, he's been the most consistent player on that team, and for once, you uh-huh. don't hear uh, it's almost something like that Butler's doing. It's almost like, like he's playing like he's been there before. <laughs> so how about that so uh, th- there was a reader question normally we like to do these at the end but we thought it was very appropriate so Daniel writes in do you think the 76ers have too much ego uh, will they implode if they don't win a title in the next few years I think this is a loaded question well I think uh, the fuse is already lit right now right. for as far as the implosion goes the The fact of the matter is if they don't make their playoff push this year they're going to be losing guys right off the bat mm-hmm. it's not like uh this team is under contract altogether for a long term. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it all depends on this year. And uh, if they're, this is how they're handling situations as far as just the first round of the playoffs go, you know, they're in for, for a hard run if they expect to get any further. Yeah, you know, what I would, I think, A, yes, they have way too much ego. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's Joel Embiid still thinks it's the Joel Embiid show. And I think as long as that's the case and Ben Simmons is a little right-hand man, I think they're, they're in trouble because Jimmy Butler won't stay five years for that kind of juvenile right. nonsense. He'd rather leave even if it's... No, he doesn't want to have anything to do with stuff like yeah. that. So so the only way they keep him is a, a five-year Supermax, or I don't know, whatever, the, not the Super Supermax. He can't, but he the, can't get the Supermax. But, but, the, but, that, but the five-year Max right. like, re-sign deal that, that he can only get from the team, whatever that Max is called. Um... So they have to overpay somebody who's going to break down uh, about three years into this new contract and be an albatross for two years and overpay Tobias Harris to get him to stay as well. Mm -hmm. And then you still have two really big problems. Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. It's not like the older he gets, the healthier he's going to be. No, he's having these nagging injuries because I don't think legitimately he's ever really been 100% because since he actually started playing after he missed his first mm-hmm. two years, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, um, he's constantly been on a restriction. No back-to-backs. Not playing back-to-backs. Yep. He only plays like 32 minutes a game. And, you know... And he missed a playoff game. Yeah. A playoff game. The, but here's the interesting thing about the playoff game that he missed is that was Ben Simmons' big game. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons is a... Is a is a very good open court, full court, uh, inside player. You know, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for him to not play with Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid clogs up the middle so bad, Ben Simmons actually doesn't have room to Mm -hmm. operate in the middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think it's just a coincidence that that happened to be Ben Simmons' biggest game. Right. I'm I'm in agreement. Uh, So, yeah, to answer the question, yes, they have too much ego. Uh, yes, they'll implode if they don't win a title in the next few years, but I'll add a caveat that even if they win a title somehow in the next few years, they'll still explode or implode. Oh, yeah. That team is 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 a, a, a fire waiting to happen, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, so let's let's put this one aside. Even though it's full of drama, it's like watching a, a Kardashian. Uh, let's, let's, let's pivot to something a little bit more uh, pedestrian. Right. The Toronto versus Orlando game. Gable series. It's been it's been interesting. Uh, Toronto is actually coming out and showing, you know, their actual potential as as a team. You know, that first game was was not their best performance, and 
uh, Toronto historically has consistently lost their first first round games mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So to be quite honest, that first loss to Orlando, when you look back at their history, isn't as big of a surprise as you might think it would be. Yep. Um, well, especially with they, the mental hurdle. Of, but they've been really Lowry. solid. Yep. Kawhi has has been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. very. Very well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he's been he's been doing really well. Uh, Twenty six points a game. But he hasn't even he has been leading them. But with less points a game, Pascal Siakam has been standing out way more to me as far as far as making an impact in the playoffs. And yeah. Siakam is doing it on both ends, and his numbers have been crazy. Yeah. So here here's some here's some numbers uh, for Pascal Siakam. Some of the ones that stand out for me. Forget. Well, don't forget, it was a great, that 30.11 rebound, zero turnover game. Take that, Kevin Durant, by the way. Uh, put that one aside um, and just look at the what he's done over the three games. A, he's one of only two players that are averaging 40 minutes or more in the playoffs. Uh, he's he's shooting, uh, his shooting percentage is at 55%, which is... Uh, you know, pretty exceptional uh, for anybody, regardless of if they play inside or if they play outside, when they're averaging 24 points and 10 rebounds a game. Right. So put that in contrast, Pascal Siakam was supposed to be just like a worker on this team, not even like one of the option players, right? Like he wasn't even he option. wasn't even originally supposed to be a three and D guy. Mm-hmm. He was just supposed to be a D guy, somebody to just give a little energy out there and you know maybe help them get out in the open court. Uh, he's turned out to be so much more, and he is one of the most uh, you know surprisingly consistent young players in the league. Yep, I'll say so. Uh, some of the other things that I want to talk about in this matchup is that Kawhi Leonard. Looks so calm when he's out there playing. He looks like he already knows the series is over, and one game here, one game there isn't going to make or break it. He, he honestly sometimes doesn't look like he's trying very hard, and it's so smooth out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You know, he brings guys down in the post, little fadeaway jumpers, just a yep. li- little like just mm-hmm. he it just he's making it look really easy right now. He is, he is. So, so something that I really like when I watch him. Is uh, he takes that? So a lot of people when they they they, they shoot for that three, they're like they try to get that three point shot open, or they try to get the drive. Like James Harden, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Give me the three, or give me the drive. Kawhi plays so differently when they're when they're up on the three point line, or he gets that screen and he drives in. What he's doing is he's drifting into the middle of the uh, the, uh, the middle of the key mm-hmm. and just going straight up with a jumper. And it doesn't seem to like phase him. Who puts their hand up to defend no. it? He's long, he's lanky, and that jumper you could have. It looks like I remember there was he he drives in. I think it was Aaron. Gordon jumped out, put the hand up. Like it looked like it was just smothered. It, it, he didn't change his form. It, it, no, it went, he's so it focused. Yeah. It, it's incredible to watch. And one of the things people don't take into consideration is, especially when he's bringing guys down low, Kawhi is way stronger than he looks. Mm-hmm. And when they, no matter if they put. Uh, a smaller guy on there when people would normally bring somebody down to the post. Kawhi brings some of their bigger guys down in the post and, you know, quite frankly, out muscles guys who are bigger than him and yep. gets his jumper off, you know, makes a makes a move all the way to the hoop when he spins off of him. And uh I think the the fact that there's been such a lack of Kawhi talk this year, mm-hmm. it's kind of been a shame. Even though you know, I maybe I still don't like him no, as much I, as I should. A hundred percent, you but, don't like him. But you know, <laughs> he he deserves to have a little more shine than he's been getting this year. Uh, I agree. I will say that our listeners heard it here first on the Over and Back podcast that Kawhi was legit. And I just like to say, whichever one of the two of us that kept calling that before the playoffs, kudos to that guy. <laughs> 
I'll just leave that up to the listeners to decide which one of us is it, it was. Um, so, <laughs> so I still think this is a five-game series. I, I can't see Orlando pulling it out. So some stats on them. Offensively, Orlando plays just terrible. They have the worst shooting percentage of any team in the playoffs, shooting 39%. You can see it's very clear. They're working hard on defense. Mm-hmm. They're they're hustling to every rebound. They're making um, all the plays that they can to have a shot to, to make runs. But but the, the sad thing is, and we said this uh, back when they were making the playoff push, they lack a go-to scorer, that right. top flight. And, 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 and it's the, really shown. Yeah, and Nikolai. Nikola. Nikola, thank you. Nikola. Um, well, I'm sure you try to say his last name. Vujicic. 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 All wrong. Vucevic. Vucevic. Nikolai Skidisvili. I can do that one. But but Vujicic, Vujicic is off. Point is, he's supposed to be their their go-to guy, their 20 and 10 guy. That's that's who they signed. Uh, that, that's who they gave big money to. And he clearly isn't that guy. Yeah. I mean, you with all of that, you still pronounce names worse than Stephen A. Uh, <laughs> Debatable. The rest of it I agree with, De- absolutely. Debatable. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I, I think we've spent enough time on this series. Toronto looks like they're getting it dialed in and getting to right. Yeah, the next You know, Orlando was just out of their minds the first game offensively, and, uh, you know, momentum couldn't quite carry them through. They're doing all the right things as far as playing defense, but it's just that score they need, so you're absolutely yep. right. And, and, and preview of next series, calm, cool, collected Toronto with an unassuming leader in Kawhi who doesn't make a big deal out on the court versus the, the, the Philadelphia Divas. Are you serious? This is going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. I, I can't. You know what? If it, I think it's going to do a lot of uh, like psychological you know, effects to Philadelphia. They're going to try to get Kawhi out of his game, and he's, gonna let, he's not going to let them rattle him one mm-hmm. bit. And it should be, you know, it should be yeah. interesting to see what they actually try. If anything, he'll just laugh at him, And when he does that, it'll just creep him out even more. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, moving on to the Western Conference, where things are, uh, uh, and maybe this is our our West Coast bias, but things are a little bit more interesting, right? Very. In a basketball sense, not necessarily in a in a in a drama sense, with the exception of one series, the Golden State Warriors versus the small market but team. When in was Los the last Angeles. time Golden State had an interesting first round series? I think Troy Murphy. You have was to ask playing. me these questions before we go on 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 air, so that I can do the research. Why would you do that, ladies and gentlemen? This is Jason Corbis throwing RJ under the bus. This I was, don't know that this answer. This was a chance for me to mention Troy Murphy. <laughs> you didn't have to say anything. Did Troy Murphy ever make it to the playoffs? Yeah, Jason cool? Richardson was there, and Gilbert uh, Arenas, and oh, okay. I don't remember any of that. It was the, the Baron Davis team? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. Uh, it was 2007 playing the Mavericks in the first round, right? That was the uh, Mavericks were the number one seed and the Warriors were the eighth seed, and they pulled out that miracle win, remember? No, I don't. I, okay. must, have, I must have completely blocked that out. And on to this boring series. <laughs> it isn't a boring series. So, since we last talked, uh, Clippers were, were trying to punch um, the Warriors in the mouth in the game one. They ended up, they just couldn't hang with them. Uh, they, ended up, they ended up getting beat. Um, well, Since then, two was looking the same way. Yes. The second game was looking the same way until the middle of the third quarter, uh, and uh, me, like everybody else on planet Earth, went to bed at that point. And then you know the the miracle in San Francisco happened. Uh, if you haven't people heard, stopped pooping on the sidewalks. 
that'll never stop. <laughs> oh, a different miracle. Throw, throw any amount of city ordinances at them. <laughs> people are still going to defecate everywhere. Uh, no, but the, the Clippers went on a crazy run led by Patrick Beverly, who has zero quit in him. That mm-hmm. little that mm-hmm. little dog mm-hmm. was just like, he had so much fight in him that night. He literally willed the, the, the Clippers into the largest comeback in NBA playoff history. Yeah. You know the Warriors are always on the wrong side of playoff history? Have you noticed this? Yeah, the Warriors are always on the wrong side of giant home losses this That's, year. Yeah. That's insane. They Okay, so here, here's the thing about when I was growing up, and I'm, I've said this a couple times on the podcast and in our conversations, the mighty Casey, right? Mm-hmm. I always make that example. I heard that growing up, and I always thought, well, that's the stupidest thing in the world. I've never seen a team or a player or anybody. That was the dumbest analogy I could have heard as a kid. Nobody sits up there goofing around for two strikes because they can, right? Not even. No, the Warriors are the only team. They're the first team I've ever seen that is Mighty Casey. Yeah, we don't have to. We were going to goof around, have fun with this one. We don't really care. Well, part of that shows in uh, what KD's been kind of doing this series. Turning the ball over? Turning the ball over. It's just been careless, and he really hasn't taken it seriously. And, uh... The the best matchup has been Patrick Beverly on Kevin Durant. Six and foot two, Patrick Beverly. Six foot two is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> He's an NBA six foot two, and uh, Kevin Durant being a legit seven foot tall. I mean, it, it looks like when you play basketball against your kid brother, mm-hmm. and he's just hanging all over you and grabbing your shirt and trying to pull your shorts down and step on your feet. And is that what you, you did know? to George? He was my big brother. Yeah, you were the little brother. Well, no. Well, I'm bigger than him, though. So no, <laughs> that's not what we did. Okay. And I can't remember the last time my brother ever picked up a basketball. Uh, it's when he was helping you clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, like it, it was, it was great to see, um, you know, for a moment in time, Patrick Beverly get into Kevin Durant's head and throw him off his game. The whole series. Uh, well, game two or game three, Kevin Durant turned it around. But he still turned the ball over nine times. He still turned the ball over like a crazy right. person. So he says, but, I want to ride on that one. He says, during during um, uh, the lead-up to that, he kept he kept talking about how it's not Patrick Beverly. And it's that they're, they're putting Patrick Beverly over the top of him and underneath him. But then if he puts the ball in the court, he's got a double team immediately going to him. And they're stopping, they're stopping the shooters at the, at the half-court line. And it's basically he was saying that's not fair defense that they're doing. So you can't you can't say that I'm not doing well, well enough. He was he was saying the refs were allowing Beverly to hold him, to grab him, to to hold, pull on his jersey, to to hand check him the whole game, uh, just because he was smaller. The refs weren't you know making those calls. And you know KD was like you know you know I'm not gonna hate him for it. That's how he makes his money. That's how he feeds his family. That's great. He, and then he made his comment of uh, what did he say again? How did he put it? You know my name. Yeah. You know my name. Would you guys forget who I was? Right. So here's the thing. Uh, I was joking around about this. I know some of his names. Right. <laughs> I know some of them. I don't know all of his burner account names, though. And I would I would love to see them. His burner Instagram account. His burner Twitter accounts. Uh, KD, we only know who you are sometimes. And frankly, you just got owned by somebody who didn't matter. I will say at least half of the casual NBA fans, no idea Patrick Beverly right. was in L.A. And I think I heard on the news that Kevin Durant was actually going to be on the new season of Catfish on MTV. So, <laughs> so we'll all look forward to that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, here, here's what it is. There's a talent disparity in this series. Right? The one versus the eight that probably didn't belong because they actually traded away some talent so they could tank, but they ended up making the playoffs. 
they're making runs and they're playing with heart. Lou Williams, uh, uh, Montrez, Harrell. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, I'm learning, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Here. One uh, for 20. <laughs> uh, they're playing with heart. What they've done, even though they're going to probably lose in five, maybe they'll scratch out another another one here. I think they're actually playing live right now, uh, and and they're down six in the fourth quarter. So uh, again, it looks like they're going to fall into a into a three one hole. But they they've just put every free agent. Think Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. Think uh, and definitely not Kevin Durant now for sure. But but, <laughs> but you think you think Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler's looking around his locker room at a bunch of people playing around, like playing on their phone on the bench and, and talking mad crap and, and acting like it's all fun and games, he might be looking across. Well, that's a perfect this, fit for somebody like Jimmy right. Butler because Jimmy Butler's all about taking care of business and playing hard and not slacking off and playing basketball yep. the right way. Every, and in one through eight right now and on that Clippers that, team is doing that. That is actually a very beautiful situation for somebody like Jimmy Butler. I don't think Jimmy Butler could find a complaint about being in an organization mm-hmm. like that. And the fact that, you know, they're the sky's the limit because they actually have a really great owner in yep. Steve Ballmer who wants to do everything in his power to make that team better and not just make them better in the short term like some other organizations out there just looking to uh, you know, the, for the short term, for good two, three year runs, and that's it. He wants the Clippers to be successful for a long time to come, and he's trying to set them up in that way. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that is one of the best free agent spots that's going to be around next year. So. I think I think so too. I, and I think they have put everybody on notice. This is a place you want to play. Great ownership, uh, a legitimate head coach, a bunch of people who know their role and play. Right. Here's some really cool stats for you. Like you think. Superstars that everybody talks about. Kyrie Irving, where's he going to go? Oh, a max money kind of player, right? 25 points, um, 8 assists, shooting 45%. With way too high of a usage rate. Right. Lou Williams, in 28 minutes, shooting 52%, 44 from 3. Uh, he's averaging 26 points, 8.5 assists. That's that's hard-working players who don't care about the limelight, right? Like, like you're outperforming. That's not, that's not even starting. All in all. Hands off, or sorry, all in all, uh, my hat's off to the L.A. Clippers. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great season. You know, I'm, I'm hoping they can, you know, squeak one more out before we go. Yeah, it would be it would be nice. So we can't talk Golden State Warriors without talking about something that happened three minutes into game two. Yeah. Uh, I think Boogie Cousins is going to re-sign with them next year now. Yeah, yeah. A, a torn quad muscle. For a guy that can't seem to catch a break, and God, I'm not a big boogie fan. I'm not a big boogie fan either. But this this kind of this kind of hurts me because I was actually looking forward to seeing Boogie Cousins in some sort of playoff run after this many years, and in Game Two, three minutes in to have this kind of dumb luck, it is a bit of a bummer. You right. know, we we joke around about it because Boogie was hoping for a, a big contract from somebody else next year, and he almost got it. Yeah, he he was close. He mm-hmm. almost got it. He's been doing really well this season, and to have another just injury that's going to put him out for a while. And I don't know if you saw the clip of him walking back to the locker room, but man, you can see that that mm-hmm. muscle was torn right off and yep. it was just balled up right in the middle and that that looked painful i'm saying that cost him probably 80 million dollars yeah that's that's a, yeah, that's, a real, that's, that's not joking that's, that's real no that's uh it's like isaiah thomas mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's gonna be that same sort of contract situation where you know he's playing for a big one a poor injury happens mm-hmm. and it's you know he yeah. and yeah. nobody wants to take a, a gamble on that yep. and so, i have a ha- i have a bad feeling the same thing's gonna happen with boogie 
Yeah, I think so. He's not getting any younger. And, and to you guys that don't know what happened last year with the Pelicans, he was making his first playoff run, and he tears his Achilles. Uh, he rehabs hard for almost an entire year. Finally gets back into the starting lineup, plays, starts playing, and he's having some fun with the Warriors. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, you know, getting a little bit of uh, cockiness and attitude, and, and you know some of that. Now, Boogie Cousins has always been kind of a, a, a negative locker room presence, especially when he was Sacramento. Yeah, so, that so hasn't some, been the story this year. It was, right. been, it was nice to see. A little, little, little bit of drama with with uh, Draymond Green um, and KD and, and Boogie getting thrown in the middle of it, but outside yeah. of that, he's been quiet. Um, yeah, well, it hasn't been you know Boogie with an attitude problem. It's just been you know. Who hasn't had issues with Draymond Green in the locker room of the Warriors? <laughs> fair. That's fair. You know, you saw uh, instances where, you know, Boogie Cousins is out on the court being a peacekeeper at times mm-hmm. when Draymond's having beef with somebody on the other, t- somebody on the other team. Yep. And, uh, you know, he knew that it was a contract year, mm-hmm. and he was playing as such to set himself up for the future and, you know, as walking as straight of a road as he could and to see it not kind of work out for him. You know, it is a bit of a bummer because he deserves it. Yeah. But uh, being a big man who's the size he is, mm-hmm. having all at of these problems. Yep. Yeah, at his age, he's got, you know, Achilles issues that you can tell he doesn't have the same athleticism as he used to. Now mm-hmm. having this kind of a quad injury, uh, you know, we have more ambient noise right now, and it's really nice. You know, I joked around about there being a weed eater next, but now we have that. Yeah, you said chainsaw, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here with the Over and Back podcast. Uh, anytime you mow your yard with a Sears Craftsman mower, it, the job isn't complete until you take your Sears Craftsman weed eater and you get those hard to reach places only with Sears Craftsman. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> All we can do is laugh, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Oh man! So yeah, it, it sucks with Boogie. Two more hot takes, uh, and then we'll move on to the next series. Because again, I, I, for for a series that's going to be over pretty quickly, we're spending a lot of time on it. Right. But but just because there are some things to talk about, uh, the first one is Steph Curry. We joked, oh, is he going to be able to shoot even better now that he's got contacts? And uh, apparently so. Yeah, shout out to Bausch and Lom. Uh, <laughs> who knew that Steph Curry was blind these you know first several years of his career? He had made a comment that he's gotten so used to squinting over the years that he never really noticed. And then one of his assistants suggested, "Hey, why don't you get contact lenses?" Yeah. And so because he was he wasn't shooting that great from the field this year. I think he was mm-hmm. he was in the low forties, which isn't Steph Curry like. It's right. still a very good season. And since <laughs> since he got his contacts, he's been shooting upwards of almost 60% from the three-point line, which just isn't fair. Right. <laughs> so he, he had 58% from the field, 59% from three, uh, 95% from the free-throw line, and it's not because he's just getting some part-time usage. That's averaging 29 points a game. Uh, I, I would like David Silver. Nope, that's not it. That's a 90210 Silver. I'd like Adam, his, Adam his dad. Silver. <laughs> I'd like Adam Silver to investigate um, performance-enhancing contacts because there's there's something to it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the other the other thing I, I kind of want to do, and it, it's not on our our, our list that uh, uh, for for storyline talking to, but Oakland Athletics, huge huge shout out to the Oakland Athletics. They ran a full page article in the newspaper. Now, the Athletics have yellow as part of their color. Right. So I can't fault them and say that they were totally jacking the Golden State Warrior gold, but it looked like the Golden State Warrior gold. <laughs> a full page, all yellow, 
big bold white letters that says KD resigns in Oakland. KD is a, a Kyle Davis, a, a, a player that they have there. But they straight up taunted Kevin Durant and the Golden State Warriors mainly because you know I think there was a little jab about the the relocation to to the San Francisco right. uh, arena and no longer being an actual Oakland team. Uh, but kudos to the Athletics for that dig. Yeah, at Kevin Durant. That was a pretty funny story. I actually grew up an A's fan, so uh, anytime they can get to the news with a good story, right? You know, I like to hear it. Yeah. So so from one uh, from one good story to 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 one that's a little bit more on the blah side. Um, Houston versus Utah, or what I would like to call um, Milwaukee versus Detroit Part 2. Yeah. This has been a snooze fest. You know, I don't I don't understand. I do not understand what Utah is trying to do in this series. You know, I I totally get the the thought of how to play James Harden and to to heavily guard his left hand, but dude, they're guarding his butt. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't play defense from behind that way. You're literally pushing him towards the hoop, and then the biggest flaw is not having anybody on Clint Capella. They're drawing. They're drawing. Gobert off mm-hmm. of him, and they're not having anybody rotate to him and blocking the lobs. It doesn't make any sense. And then you would think after game one, you know what? We're going to go away from that. That obviously didn't work. But no, they decide to stick with it. And it's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. So the problem is Rudy Gobert is missing out on the offensive rebound opportunities that he'd normally be able to get because yeah. he has to jump out. Clint, and it, it Clint, pulls him out of, it pulls mm-hmm. them totally out of their game. Uh one thing that nobody's talking about, yeah, Utah's playing terrible um, offensively. Uh, the the James Harden defensive strategies are getting a lot of attention. Harden's still scoring tons of buckets. His shooting percentages are way down. If they didn't have to sacrifice performance across the board where everybody else can step up uh, by this really, really uh, flawed defensive approach, this would be a little bit more interesting Uh why wouldn't they just go back to like a double team so that you know the the ancillary players that the Eric Gordons have to beat you? Yeah, That's no, what they, they make it so all of a sudden there's literally nobody on him going to the hoop. That's mm-hmm. it's the least effective. Like they're trying to trying to copy what Milwaukee did. The only difference is that Milwaukee had the personnel to cover that sort of mm-hmm. defense better yep. and cover the lobs to the hoop, and they didn't play. On that far back on James Harden, right. they were on his side, and you know this is, and you know one of the things they were able to do is kind of get strips, get blocks from the side mm-hmm. by playing him there and playing him on his hip, yep. not on his tush. Right. I don't, I don't get it. So this is where I say in the playoffs, matchups matter. Houston versus Utah. This is the, Houston's destroying him. We kind of talked about that, saying this is a really bad matchup for Utah. Whereas yeah. uh, when when it was originally looking like Portland, Utah, Utah would probably be in a two one three zero position themselves, just based on matchup. Right. Just absolutely. Like, yeah. So so you know one one matchup situation to another. Portland last year destroyed in the playoffs because they faced a team a lot like Utah with some shooters, but but real strong inside presence. Right. Now it's a different story. Yeah. Uh, when Utah would have matched up really good against Portland because uh, he would have done a great job, a better job of nullifying the guards getting into mm-hmm. the middle because CJ and Dame have been just running wild in the middle of a lane. Steven Adams hasn't been as quick as Gobert is off for his off-ball mm-hmm. defense, and so they've been going crazy. Uh, so that definitely that sort of matchup. The other thing that Utah is not doing is they're not making adjustments. 
you know, that's one of the big things as far as, you know, being successful in the playoffs is making these adjustments to your defense, to your offense. But they're literally trying the same thing over and over again. And guys like Donovan Mitchell have been very ineffective. Uh, he's only he's not even averaging 15, I don't think. Maybe around 15, a little less, a little more if I if. Yeah. But, uh, you know. He's their he's their key offensive player, and if he can't get going and he's being this nullified, they're not feeding off of him. You know, Donovan Mitchell's a player that makes really big plays and gives that team a lot of energy, and it's not it's not happening. Yeah, it's the the whole series is just like like I said at the the, the beginning of this topic, it's a boring series. Um, an update on the stat line: Donovan Mitchell he's averaging twenty one points a game, but but that's not what's really hurting. He must have him. had a big game in the last one because well, it wasn't there. That's not even yeah. what's really hurting him, right? Like like the point is Donovan Mitchell isn't showing up because and we're thinking low teens or mid teens because this man is shooting thirty two percent from the field, thirty two percent, the twenty nine percent from three. Like like he is not stepping up. James Harden, sorry is not going to shut somebody down. And you're telling me that between Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio, they can't exploit that? They're so concerned with playing a different kind of basketball that, that they're just getting they're just getting embarrassed. And, yeah. and nobody's playing well. Um, maybe maybe this is gonna be a learning experience for that team. I'd I'd say I'd say I'd be more hopeful if they weren't more of a they're not like a young, young team. They have some young players. Go Bear this isn't Go Bear's first time in the playoffs. He's nope. not a spring chicken. Uh, Ricky Rubio Ricky Rubio's a vet these days. Right. Like you the, know, he's he's been in the playoffs. Derek plenty. Favors. Yeah, yeah, I mean Derek Favors maybe not a big playoff experience, but these aren't like young kids having to learn how to play well, playoff basketball. These are these this, are these are what they are. The core of this Utah squad has made the postseason several times. Mm-hmm. You know, this like these guys have been together for a while and they're used to I mean, these early exits, I mean, it's it's been kind of common thread with them. And they're just not able to get over the hump and you know maybe they will maybe like uh i mean donovan mitchell is is the the youngest part to this core um but you know it's just uh it's it's a matter of time but they're not there yeah and again they needed a they needed a better first round matchup to try to get some momentum right and and this the rockets i i really do look at this rockets team as um a challenge to the Warriors. They could put the Warriors uh, through the ringer. Um, I'm, I'm a lot higher on Portland now, and I'd like to, to transition to that series if I may. Yeah, that sounds good. Holy smokes, Dame is playing out of his mind. He's third uh, out of all players in the playoffs in steals. His defense uh, against Russell Westbrook has been impeccable. He's averaging 30 points a game. He's shooting in the high 40s. And that's not all. The team themselves, they're rotating. They're they're making sure that when PG or Russ has the ball, they're not they're not um, ISO uh, and pick and rolling and, and mm-hmm. diving into the lane. Their 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 double teams at the top have been great. Their rotations have been key, and I believe that's that's a big reason why they're up two one in this series right now. Yeah, their uh, their backup bigs are doing incredible right now, especially when it comes to defensive rotating. Zach Collins has been on it, blocking shots like crazy. It's been great to see. Myers Leonard has this offensive rejuvenation from somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, this is like three games in a row I've seen Myers Leonard with a gigantic 200 dunk down the lane, flexing, running and back down the court. Like, where has that been, you yeah. know? It's it's nice to see that these guys are working as a team and they're filling in in these spots that are needed when Lurkic's absence. C.J. McCollum, 
CJ McCollum has made people look silly out on the perimeter where he's throwing out moves that I have not seen him do before. All of a sudden he's hitting crossovers like he's Westbrook himself, you know, and then hitting these floaters high off the glass and just like beautiful, beautiful basketball plays, smart plays. They're, 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 they're mid-range, you know, CJ and Dame have been playing that mid-range game a little bit, whether it be, you know, pulling up and swinging it around, getting like a 16, 18 foot jump shot or getting into the lane, uh, hitting floaters mm-hmm. instead of trying to drive all the way in and getting blocked. They've been playing really well, and it's been uh, it's been a competitive series. Yeah, and I, I Oklahoma agree. City though they're not done yet. So so call it tonight, game four, Blazers in Oklahoma. Who wins tonight? I'm going to go with Portland tonight. I, I, I don't 3-1? think they're going to take that loss too well. They uh, they had a rough first half, and in the second half, they started closing the gap in Game 3. And all of a sudden, uh, it was 10 at the half. It got, uh, uh, I think it made its way up to 14 or 16. And then Portland started chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And it got to a two-point game towards the end, and then it just kind of it kind of got out of hand at that point. Oklahoma went on a little bit of a run uh, towards the you know the last few minutes to stretch that lead a little bit, but that was kind of inconsequential. Uh, uh, Portland, you know, they're fighting, they're scrappy, mm-hmm. and you know I think they're going to come out ready to go this time, and it'll be a different game. Okay, so I still say Portland's going to win this series. I don't know if they'll win tonight, um, but even if they lose tonight, I think they'll win Game Five and then uh, and then and then take, carry that momentum into a Game yeah. Six victory. So well, I, I see it being a six-game series. I think it's probably going to go two-two, and then uh, Bla- the Blazers will win um, the game five at home, and then pick up game six on the road. Here's a, a nice little tidbit of information that I think is impressive. We don't really talk about it too much here, but PER, the player efficiency rating, mm-hmm. three Blazers right now over twenty points uh, on the player efficiency rating. You got Cantor McCollum and Dame Lillard. Um, that's impressive. Yeah, to have th- to have three of your starters over twenty. That's that's dang good because uh, it's easy to get that if you're a bench player and you're you're putting in like you know eight to ten minutes a game and you're just playing really well. Right. And, but but this is three of your core people. Um, you know they, they're carrying the lion's share of the minutes. You know thirty plus minutes up to forty minutes a game, uh, and and they're being very efficient. You look at um, McCollum, twenty six points a game. Damian Lillard, thirty points a game. Enos Cantor, fifteen points a game, ten rebounds. He's playing. He's playing that role very well. When we weren't sure what was going to happen with uh, Nurkic, right? And one thing that's interesting too is uh, a lot of the role players. Uh, you know they got some guys who are filling in great, but. You know, there are some guys on Portland who can actually play a lot better than they are. And, you know, should the whole team get rolling, you know, they can actually be pretty scary. They have a lot of offensive weapons on there that they haven't even really taken full advantage of yet. So, mm-hmm. um, Evan Turner comes to mind. Evan Turner's had a, yeah. a, a, a big contract and a, and a big expectation and very little impact. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I don't know if they can go past. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I think they're going to beat OKC, but the Denver well, San Antonio matchup, I don't know. Depends well, on who goes again, through. you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, the key to Portland winning, honestly, one of the main things, you know, it's not the only thing, but one of the main things is it's going to depend on if Russell Westbrook shoots Oklahoma City out of the game. Now, he had a good game mm-hmm. in game three, and, you know, that was tough. You know, he won that matchup between him and Dame, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, he. Uh, Russ hasn't been the uh, poster boy for consistency. Right. So, so. I, I think the, the thing that saved him, though, is Paul George 
has been getting healthier and healthier. Paul, well, Paul George changed what he was doing after that horrendous shooting performance mm-hmm. in Game 1. Paul George has decided that he's going to go inside a lot more. You know, we were watching Game 1 and thinking, like, what are they doing? Yeah, Why like, are they what? still shooting from the outside? Right. And so, you know, that's that's a big adjustment that they made. And uh, they did that a lot more in Game 2, but they still weren't able to, to get the victory over Portland. But you can see what their game plan was in Game 3. And while they still take probably too many three-pointers, it was significantly less and the, you know Paul George has been taking the ball inside a lot more where you know basically Paul George is like a 6'10 guard <laughs> he's got all those skills and he's very very big and it's hard to deal with and he's been taking guys down in the post again and uh, and getting inside and uh, he's been v- so much more effective yeah, yeah. I, I agree I mean he, he still got a long way to go um, health wise I think if, if they were able to get out of this first round which I don't think they're going to do but if they were going to be able to do that I think we could see his level of game improve improve you know maybe 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 two to four more weeks of basketball. I bet he'd be back to what he was pre-injury. Yeah. Uh, but but unless you want to take the strategy that you brought up earlier about taking some guy like Rodney Hood and just taking out Paul Jordan's shoulder, <laughs> just, not worrying about the ejection. Just, it's fine. Just, just dive into it. Um, why Rodney Hood though? I like Rodney. He's got a great yeah. work ethic. So uh, you you well, have yeah, they, they get the rookie Anthony in there. And... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the, yeah. There's only been one good Anthony in the NBA. So Paul George, Russ Westbrook, Steve Adams. Uh, you know, those are the, the – it makes me sick to call them a big three, but those are the three that kind of – if you want to say Cantor, McCollum, um, uh, Lillard versus, it would be those three. Their PER, 14.6, 18.5, 17.8. So, again, when we talk about that efficiency, the, the three most important people on Portland are playing amazing basketball. And right. it, it shows. This could have easily been a 3-0 series. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that moves me to, to, and this is listeners. This is very hard for me to do, but I like to, I like to control the pace. And, and every once in a while, there's a topic where I'm going to hand it off because I know it's near and dear to Jason's heart. And this next series is that. All right, so now we're going to move into the Denver Nuggets versus the San Antonio Spurs. What a weird series, you know. Both, te- <laughs> both teams are winning on the road. It, mm-hmm. It's frustrating for me. <laughs> you know, San Antonio is always such a tough team to beat in San Antonio. Denver had only won one game there in, like, what was it? something stupid, like the last 14 <laughs> years. And now they come in and they win two games in San Antonio when the series should have easily been over. But, you know, they're gaining confidence. They're starting mm-hmm. to roll. Um, Jamal Murray... You know when he's hot, he's a scary player. He's a very he's a good sized perimeter guard who's got so many offensive weapons. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's a lot to deal with. Jokic has been playing out of his mind all of a sudden. What, what did we see earlier? He's averaging nine point three assists yep. from the middle, yep. almost and, a triple double, and that makes it that makes a lot of pressure on San Antonio's defense to not. I mean, when your center has that many assists, you don't know where that ball is going to be going mm-hmm. after they dump it inside, and to to make make things tough on that uh, uh, defense and having to switch and rotate uh, the way that they're having to, you know, they they found something that works for them, uh, and it's uh, there has been bright spots for San Antonio. Uh, Demar Derozan is having a, a good uh, mm-hmm. a good postseason. Lamarcus Aldridge, both of them, they're averaging more than twenty points a game. My, my highlight, Whew. my highlight yes. for this series, though, is Derek 
White. Who is this guy? And you might guy? ask, who is Derek White? I just did. There's a thousand people who are asking who is Derek White. Actually, probably more than that. A million people asking who he was. Last year, Derek White spent most of his time in the G League. And uh, this is his second year. He is... He's been nothing short of impressive. He was set to be uh, their third-string point guard this year, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he's thrust into the starting role due to injuries uh, in the preseason. Uh, uh, DeJounte Murray is hurt uh, right off the bat. He Mm -hmm. doesn't even get the play this year. Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, My goodness, the hair. Um, Lonnie Walker. Oh yeah, Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. Walker was was poised to be his backup. He had his own fair share of injury issues and spent a lot of time in the G League this year. So insert Derek White, who nobody had heard of, and for a team that is known to be awfully boring, boy is this kid exciting! Holy smokes! I did not know he was this athletic till this off season or this postseason. I mean, and uh, he's been. Uh, Crazy. He, Popovich yeah. had told him after game one that uh, Murray cannot handle him on the outside mm-hmm. and to not settle for his outside shot but take the ball aggressively to the hole. And that has been some very, very crazy highlights since he's done so. Yeah, this 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 series, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's competitive. It's crazy. You know, for a 2-7 matchup to be tied at 2-2, I got to say uh, San Antonio, where I was hoping they were going to win, I didn't think they were going to. It's still up in the air. I'm not I'm not really leaning either way. Of course, my heart tells me to go one way. But, you know, uh, my brain tells me that, you know, Denver is starting to gain confidence. This young, inexperienced team has gained confidence faster than I thought they were going to after a rough start in Game 1. And I think all it took was was Murray going on that crazy fourth quarter run to get the win in game two. Mm-hmm. And and that's uh, that's where their confidence has started. It, and it's been uh, a tight series since. I mean, they haven't it hasn't been blowouts. There's been a lot of back and forth in these games and uh, I think it's still gonna continue and I think this is gonna go seven. I, I believe I believe that could happen. He, here's my take the winner of game five is going to be the winner of this series. And, and when when you have series... That's so cliche. No, game fi- game five is always pivotal. The pivotal game five. No, historically, <laughs> when you have uh, a back-and-forth teams like this yep. where it can break either way, typically whoever ends up winning game five gets such an advantage the rest of that series that the other team, it's just impossible. So watching game five, it's really going to tell me, yeah. can, the Spurs, ups- no, can, the, can yeah. the Spurs take this? Yeah, that's that, that's usually the case. That's that's why there's the old joke. That, uh, there's a, a shout-out to the starters. Every time there's a game five, they always call it pivotal game five because, because no matter what, when it's a series tied 2-2, the momentum swings hard to whoever wins game right. five. And that team you know, generally ends up with the home court advantage, and mm-hmm. then you know, it's, it's inevitable. So. Yeah. I, I, I will say, so uh, one takeaway that, that has blown me away, and you touched base on it, but I, I want to, I for our listeners, I really want to call how wild and bizarro this actually is. Do you know uh, the, the team that had the most wins uh, out of the Western Conference at home? Denver. Yes. Do you know the team that had the second most home wins in the playoffs? San Antonio. Do you know which teams don't have home wins? What is going on? I don't I, d- I don't understand how they're not holding down home court. Denver, especially. Denver has an advantage over everybody in Denver. Nobody can breathe up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I That's, don't yeah, I don't get it, man. When I saw San Antonio win on the road, I went, Oh, this is this is over. 
This is over. Yeah. That team is not going to be able to figure it out. Now, they said for game three, they they, they referenced the Clipper comeback and said this is how we play. Right. And they, they, they used that. Yeah, that, I, that was the moment that changed this from a 4-0 to a 2-2 is, I, is that confidence. Yeah. After, um, after San Antonio won those first two games in Denver, you know, I – not even just my heart. My brain was thinking sweep. San Antonio is so tough, so tough at home. It was it was inexplicable that Denver would have come in there and, and take two. Yep. So we'll see where this one goes. I think this will probably be the best series. Um, maybe maybe the only game seven. We won't, do you want to call that the only game seven of, of the first round? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. Okay. So that's it for the playoff matchups. Now, uh, I do want to give our listeners an update, even though I'm sure you've already uh, you've already um, seen the scores come through by the time this podcast is, is listened to. But the Golden State Warriors did just defeat the L.A. Clippers to go up 3-1 in this series. And and uh, game five is, is, is going to be the closeout. I there's, think there's, so. no com- there's no coming back from that. But again, hats off. Out of all the teams in the playoffs, I will say the Clippers have been the one that's been the most endearing. Absolutely. Uh, they've played with so much heart. And mm-hmm. the fact that they, they're they there in the first place shows what kind of team they are and what they're made out of. Literally trading away their best players to tank, and these guys don't want, didn't want to go away. Yep. And they they dug out so many crazy victories throughout the, the season. It was, it, you know, it's, it's going to be sad to watch them go, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish, yeah, I wish, I wish it could have been a little different, but... Um, they, we just don't want to see the Warriors win. You know, that's well, all. That's all. Yeah. You know, it would have been nice to see it go different. I mean, they asked Doc. He's like, yeah, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, of course I would like to be the team that knocks <laughs> Golden State out. Absolutely. That would be fit. <laughs> so let's look at some of the second-round matchups real quick before we transition to uh, to, to some non-playing basketball Yeah, news. we'll be there by next pod. So. Right. So Golden State versus Houston. I like this. That's the matchup of the playoffs out of the Western I Conference. I am – you know, I don't think I would ever pull so hard for a team that I don't really care for in the Houston Rockets so hard <laughs> in my life. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, they are who they are. I, you know, I just it's just something about the way they play that I'm not just not a fan of. Nothing against them. They're 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 a very good team, but I'm riding mm-hmm. my hopes on Houston to to knock Golden State off. I'm watching unless it's a nasty nasty blowout. And then I'll still tune back in to make sure nothing crazy is happening. I'm watching all seven of these from start to finish. Absolutely. You know, it's going to be really crazy because throughout the regular season, um, one of the things that Golden State really had was that presence in the middle to counter Clint Capella. And they don't have that now mm-hmm. with Boogie gone. And, you know, who they have, uh, Andrew Bogut ain't going to ain't gonna do it against Clint Capella. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, he cannot keep up at all. And they're going to lob the ball right over the yep. top of him. It's going to be exciting. He jumps like Sabonis now. Yeah. So And, so, no, and nobody's guarding James Harden like Utah is going to be guarding James Harden. No. He's going to go crazy against Clay or Steph, or if they're dumb enough to rotate KD out on the perimeter and take his, his inside D out of the, yeah. out of the picture. He's going to go ham on those guys. Um, you're right. Clint Capella is going to run crazy. I think Chris Paul is going to really expose Steph Curry on the defensive end as well. You know, it, it's really fun watching Chris Paul mock Steph Curry mm-hmm. in every game they play. Yeah, he does not yeah. like him. No love no, lost on man. that at all. It's great. Yep. So We might the, touch on that a little bit later here in the pod. <laughs> so Portland, I have them advancing. Uh, Denver, San Antonio. I'll let you call it. My gut says Denver, 
But uh, I can be talked to the San Antonio. My gut says Denver, too. All right. All right. Uh, my gut says Denver. But, uh, man, am I not going to be rooting for them. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'd like to see San Antonio for the sole fact that it would mean that Portland-San Antonio gives both teams equal chance to succeed. I think that, that there's a cool Lamarcus Aldridge-Portland uh, uh, ri- not rivalry, but the f- I think if, if Portland's going to heckle anybody, well, it would be Lamarcus. No, now nobody's going to like Lamarcus Aldridge because what if what if Portland knocks off San Antonio and Lamarcus Aldridge goes and joins the Blazers? That sounds all too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference when you're 34, 35, and you do that. So, if, if Denver, if Denver, uh, Portland happens, I can't imagine a world where Denver doesn't exploit Portland's lack of inside game. Uh, yeah, that this is where they needed. Mm-hmm. They they really needed Nurkic. Not only the fact that he's the big body, but how familiar he is playing against Jokic, mm-hmm. being that they were teammates a couple of years ago. Right, and they went against each other every day. Does anybody who knows what kind of tricks that Jokic might have of a sleeve, it would be Nurkic. Yep. And the fact that uh, those two won't go head to head in the playoffs is kind of a bummer. I would have really liked to have seen that. And I think Jokic is going to be able to take advantage of yep. that. That. Uh, lack of inside presence. Not that those other guys aren't doing a good job, but Jokic is such a big body in there that to have somebody uh, like the Bosnian beast in there to kind of counteract that that size and that space that he's mm-hmm. going to take up. Um, it's good. Yeah, I think it'd be brutal for Portland. Right. I mean, it, it, it's not like uh, it's not. It's, it's not like having. Um, you know, cancer matched up against uh, Adams in this mm-hmm. round because Stephen Adams is not an offensive threat mm-hmm. like Jokic is. So this is where I have a hard, I have a hard time thinking that Portland's backups are going to be quite as effective against a player like Jokic. Right, and yeah, matchups matter uh, in the playoffs more than just about anything else. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee. I think that would be a fun series to watch. Um, because nobody's going to know who's on whose team. Go green. <laughs> uh, not a lot to talk. Not a lot to talk about, in my opinion. I think that Boston is a ho hum team playing uninspired basketball, led by a person that's actually house shopping right now in uh, New York City. And Milwaukee's Milwaukee's playing like a champion. I think that's a five game series. I best. think Milwaukee's going to steamroll them. Yep, I and agree. I don't. I. I you can you can put this down in writing. Milwaukee is going to come with a big blowout game one against them. Oh, I could see that. I, yep. could, I could see that. Philadelphia versus Toronto. We already talked about that. Toronto is going to wipe the floor with the with the Divas uh, in Philadelphia. So that's kind of it's kind of a preview. Uh, some of these games will, will be started by the um, actually all of these games should be started by the next podcast. So we'll we'll go in. We'll, we'll be recapping game ones and uh, and seeing how accurate we actually were with that. I have an obligation, being a, a backup part time Lakers fan, to always talk about the. Lakers and and it we had a little bit of uh, of a moment where we thought my gosh we're not going to find any Laker news to talk about I, I had heart palpitations but thank you Lonzo Ball dude the worse the Lakers got the more there is to talk about though that's just kind of how it went but yes absolutely thank you Lonzo so Lonzo we all know he's 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 lobbying for a shoe deal with Nike so he really went out there by attacking. Um, the, the most powerful Nike spokesman there is. And maybe not attacking, but throwing some shade. Yeah, well, uh, in an interview this last week, Lonzo Ball came out and said when he was asked, you know, how much did the trade talks with Anthony Davis really affect the chemistry of the team? And he's like, 
oh, it affected it tremendously, you know. Uh, you know, the, the locker room was kind of in turmoil after that when, you know, the, there's been statements out there by LeBron and some other people that that wasn't the cause of the Lakers' troubles. It was, you know, it was, it was you know, you kept hearing, you know, the Lakers were a playoff team if LeBron didn't get injured. Well, they, they weren't very good with LeBron there when you look at their overall record this year. You know, they were barely 500. And that'll show you that that won't get you a playoff spot in the West. So yeah. the, the, the thing is, is all of this talk crushed these, you know, first, second, third-year players who, mm-hmm. who all of a sudden they're thinking, well, this place that I thought was actually going to be a home for me is literally going to be gone with LeBron here. And it just it sunk their whole locker room for the year. And he came out and actually finally admitted that. Yeah, except LeBron's still sticking to the story that, that team unity and, and it, uh, here it is. You got a third-year player, second-year player, right? Second-year player. Yeah, second-year yeah, Lonzo second, Ball. Second-year player, Lonzo Ball. And Kyle Kuzma, too, mm-hmm. second-year. Yeah, they're, they're, they need... You know, they're looking at this and they're thinking, hey, we're getting a legend of the game to come in here. This is what we need, right? Somebody who's going to be able to. Yeah, he's going to show us and teach us, not get rid of us. Right. right? And, and, and LeBron wasn't invested in, in growing that talent and helping them advance. He was, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, petulant and spoiled and, and wanted his guys. And he didn't really want to give these, these kids a chance. You know, what's funny is, uh, and I don't know if anybody um, listening or, or you even remember this, but Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson got traded to the Cavaliers in that Isaiah Thomas deal. Uh, and they they were both adamant. And, and there was a lot of, like, sources say comments that came out that Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson both hated playing with LeBron, thought he was a selfish, egotistical player, and, he, and they warned some of the Lakers that you're not getting somebody who's going to tutor you and help you and, and, right. and, and stimulate growth. You're going to get somebody who's going to treat you like he's a different level of person than you are, and you're playing on his team. Yeah, it's it's sad to see the effect that he's having on a lot of these young guys, and you know, you know, it, it is what it is. But a lot of these young people are a little more fragile than they used to be, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, mentally. And it 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 wouldn't even take close to what happened to shake them, to shake their confidence. And 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 that's what it was was they yep. they lost confidence in the direction of the team. They lost confidence in the person who was supposed to be their leader. Yep. And you know, you 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 can't continue like that. Maybe you, the best thing would be for them to make sure maybe find another home. I think so. You you know who didn't lose confidence though? Uh one of the young players, Kuzma didn't lose his confidence. Kuzma Kuzma's got an attitude. Kuzma. I love it. Anybody who uh, is 20 years old and has the guts to show up like in a velvet blazer, <laughs> you know, sh- just kudos to you because, you know, you have you ha- you have a, a certain level of confidence that, that isn't really matched by a lot of guys who are his age. And to be kind of a late pick like he was mm-hmm. and to stand out, I mean, w- these guys who have all this talent, when they're late picks like that, they always kind of come out with a chip on their shoulder. Yep. And I think he wanted to show, show everybody that, uh, you know what, just because, you know, I played college ball for three years, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of these one and done guys. That's one of those things people don't expect extended college players to be good anymore. Mm-hmm. When the fact of the matter is, is he was more mature. Yep. And uh, it's it's great. You know, I actually, he's, he's a bright spot for me. And I, I think that they'll get rid of anybody but him going into this next season, really. Yeah. And everybody's expendable. I, well, uh, I think, I think LeBron would still dump him for Anthony Davis. Yeah, I yeah. really do. I, I see I see, I see. see Ball, Ingram, Hart, Kuzma still on the block. Well, you know, I, I, 
as good of a player, as great of a player as Anthony Davis is, mm-hmm. I can't give up so many. Personally, if I was a GM, how am I going to give up so many pieces to my team that has so much promise to a guy who is regularly injured for long stretches and misses, you know, misses so much time? Yeah, I, you know, personally, I couldn't do it. That, well, and the injury thing is, is a big gone. thing for me, huh? Because <laughs> Magic's gone and, and LeBron's in charge now. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, I, uh, I, I think we can, I think we can pin the Lakers for for. Uh, for a six or seven seed next Dude, year, we're going to see who they have. If it's going to be hard to see who they're going to get as a free agent. Oh, I, we already talked about this. Well, we know yes, who it's going to well, be. Yeah, but you know, maybe. it's not boogie now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, you know, and we do. We 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 think it could go a certain way, but I'm just you know, what if nobody wants to have any part of this? What what if? Nobody wants to to have so much junk in their life. Wait, like, are we talking about the NBA season or Space Jam Two? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have some questions uh, that came in from a couple different readers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get things started off with, uh, um, sorry, a listener uh, uh, messaging us on um, on Facebook. Stephen asked about Zion Williamson. Uh, now that we know what the lottery odds are. Uh, where do we think Zion's going to go, and what is his ceiling going to be? So I'll talk odds. Right now, um, the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Bulls, because of this new structure of lottery odds, it used to be heavily weighted to one at 25%, right. and then it, it, it went down from there. Now we have different brackets. So in the first bracket, each of these teams have a 12 or 14. I, I want to say it's 12, but it could be 14%. It's, it's much more even than yeah. it used to be for so, the lower seeds. So the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Bulls all have equal chance to get the number one pick, followed by the Suns. Um, with the next highest odds. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, it's the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns with the Bulls with the next highest odds. So that means, in my opinion, there's like a 60-something percent chance between those four teams uh, that that's where he's going to go. My gut tells me um, everybody's hyping on the Knicks and thinking it into it, it could happen. I don't see that. I'm going to play the the odds, and I'm going to say the Cavs are going to get it. Yeah, I mean they, they the seem Cavs to have the literally luck. have the. Are you sure they're not the Celtics with how lucky they are always getting the first pick? Because there's times where they're they're like you know had the fourth best odds mm-hmm. or even worse, and they came out with the first pick like three years in a yeah. row. I don't so, know how it happens. Yeah. So their first round picks just just since two that since the LeBron James right LeBron James. How many of them are still there? Uh, one. Right? No, no, he's gone now too. Mm-hmm. Never mind. So LeBron James, uh, and then after the trade, Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Wiggins. That's no, right. sorry, uh, Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. And then Andrew Wiggins. That's right. Okay, so they're due. They're, they're, they're due. due. It's so, been a few years. So I don't think it's the Knicks because it, when when people start assuming things like oh it's it's, it's got to happen it's got to happen then it never happens. I think it, the ca- it paints a nice picture though in New York though if they do it manage to get those two free agents mm-hmm. manage to get Zion Williamson I don't. It, mm. I'm sticking to my theory. Everybody on the roster plus that number one overall pick for Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, that and, wouldn't be too and, bad. And nobody else that can play basketball for, for more than the veteran minimum. I think, though, that that number one pick, I don't even know if it could garner that because not only is it just going to get talent aside, that pick is money. Mm-hmm. That pick is yeah. so much money. That pick is box office. That pick beyond basketball is worth so much more to have an asset like Zion in your organization. Yeah, but if you have KD on your team and Kyrie, Zion's star is going to get I'm talking. Diminished. I'm just talking about the franchise getting money. And let's say... 
these yeah. guys don't care. <laughs> like, sorry, James Dolan is not about what's best for basketball. I get you. I'm with you. I'll I'll I'll, I'll pick up what you're putting down. I, I'm gonna say, okay. Let's let's just let's just let's just take take a uh, a nice hard look at this, right? Uh, Knicks, it can't happen because I think fate pushes against it. The Cavs, too many, and the Suns. I don't I don't think there's a whole lot of back to back first round picks. I hope um, he doesn't go to the Suns, man. That place is a whole. Phoenix used to be like. It, it, it's sad. It's they're, really, they're, really they're, sad to see what the Phoenix Suns organization has become. Just, the Sarvers have just destroyed Absolutely. basketball in in in, uh, in Arizona. I'm putting my money on the Chicago Bulls. I'm mark it down right now. Zion Williamson will bring championship basketball back to Chicago land, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not championship basketball, but he's going to be a Chicago Bull. That, I'm calling it. Mark it. You call him going to the Cavs. I say he's going to Chicago. I actually would like him to go to Chicago. I don't see that happening. I would love to see Chicago Bull basketball, though, be prominent again. But Hold on, hold on. Let's say the Cavs do get the number one pick, but they blow it like they do everything, and they go ahead and draft R.J. Barrett or John Morant. That's what they're going to do. That's what it is. And Zion will go two, and everybody will be baffled. We have another another write-in on Facebook from uh, Daniel. Uh, 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 back-to-back weeks now, Daniel's uh, written in a question for us, uh, and he says, with Ben Simmons getting roasted in the Brooklyn series, what are some of your favorite all-time roasts? Now, we had to talk about this a little bit. That's right. There's, 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 There's a lot of things like, could it be like, Somebody literally just calling somebody, you know, on the court names. Could it be mm-hmm. something off the court? Could it be something an NBA player says just to insult somebody for literally no good reason? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we came up with a couple. Yeah. And did you want to start this out? Or do you want me sure. to go? Let's let's go with the honorable mentions first. All right. All right. Honorable mention number one: uh, Michael Jordan drafts Kwame Brown, and then in practice, utterly destroys his life. Ruins an 18-year-old's confidence, makes fun of him and his hands in practice as the GM because you're Michael Jordan and you can't let somebody feel good about themselves even when you've literally drafted this person as your franchise center. Yeah, but he sucked. Because Michael Jordan destroyed his soul. Sorry. No, it's it's little – it's not a mystery here. Michael Jordan – has been known to be one of the worst executives of all time. <laughs> Sorry, greatest player by far. Hands down. But you're not an executive. H- hands down, yeah. worst worst executive in our lifetime. And I think, if I can sell you on it right now, Jason, can we have an off-season podcast dedicated to the worst decisions of Michael Jordan's executive <laughs> career? That sounds good. Put that it down. That sounds very this good. This is going to be awesome. All right, you have an honorable mention. Uh, yes, I do. Um... <laughs> My honorable mention is this week, and it's it's uh, basically the whole world roasting what they saw, <laughs> what they saw by a, a very very good player played for Washington, played for the Clippers, had Miami. a really good and my had really good a good solid career. Mm-hmm. And he's he's one of my favorite uh, uh broadcasters too uh for for ESPN and you know if you haven't seen Karan Butler this week, <laughs> Karan Butler throughout his entire career has had a shaved head. <laughs> Karan Butler through his entire media career until last week has had a shaved head. This week, 
he comes out with <laughs> the most obvious toupee fade kind of job to where like they were uh i don't know why they set it up with his kids at home but they had a live reaction i think probably from his wife or something because mm-hmm. she knew something about it filming her kids on <laughs> reaction on her phone uh to seeing their dad with this full head of hair out of nowhere. And it's kind of been the talk, and everybody's kind of poking fun at him all week long. And even on Inside the NBA, everybody came out with Karam Butler hair on their heads all of a sudden. And it was it, that was that was my funny honorable so, mention this week. So let me just put it out there, Karan. You keep doing you, my man. What you're doing, just own it. You know, it just own look- it. Like... Step it up every week. Just do something. Dude, next week's the twisties or something. Yeah, do a Jimi Hendrix with the headband. Each round, it should get a little bit longer. That's right. <laughs> right, like 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 a ridiculous amount of growth that happens, and then at oh. the end, at the very end of the NBA Finals, when you have it down past your rear end, pitch a hair growth product. Right. All of a sudden, he's like Nene and Montrez Harrell with the pulled back mm-hmm. braids. Mm-hmm. Just own it, and just and then you'd be like, blam, hair growth for men. Yeah, this was this was more blatant than LeBron's hair coming out of nowhere, right? Which that, might be getting another you, honorable you mention mean about it ran every, down his hair <laughs> when his hair ran leaking on his face. That's right. So uh, we'll we'll go to um, we'll go to one of my so I have a secret one I'm, I'm holding back on. Okay. So this one I'll, this is my official one, and then I'll hit you at the very end with my secret. All one. right. So KG versus everyone ever. Oh my god. Specifically, two events. Uh, Mother's Day. Spurs versus this one hurts. <laughs> Spurs versus Timberwolves. Whispers in Tim Duncan's ear. Happy birthday, Mofo. Didn't say Mofo. Said uh, the non-abbreviated version. No, he said. Or, I'm sorry. Happy Mother's Day, Mofo. Knowing that Tim Duncan lost his mother when he was 14 years old. Like what? Kevin that's, Garnett, you're brutal, man. That's cold. But that's, that's cold. K- that's KG. That's classic Kevin Garnett. So, not to be, uh, not to be distasteful, listeners. Uh, but again, we will be right with this one. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't come up with it. Kevin Grant, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin Garnett gets full credit for saying this. He's going head to head. Celtics, Knicks. He's jawing with Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony's uh, wife at the time. I don't know if they're still married, but his wife at the time. Uh, yes, a, they are. Okay, thank you. A, a well-known celebrity uh, in the media landscape. He, he he comes up to Carmelo and he says, uh, she tastes like Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> to which Carmelo Anthony loses his mind uh, and tries to fight him, uh, tries going into the opponent's locker room, try, like waiting outside to jump him. Like It was a whole thing. Holy smokes, Kevin Garnett. Roasting anybody ever should always win. Yeah, the the most interesting part is I think Honey Nut Cheerios suck. So. Well, I, I yeah, I'm not even. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, no. I got nothing. Anyways, uh, I apologize. So my, oh my gosh. Okay, so my. Uh, my winner for my favorite NBA roast is something that went on for years. Literal years through horrible play after horrible play after horrible play (laughs) after horrible play. And that is going to be 
JaVale McGee literally on every single episode of Shaq and a Fool until? for like four or five years in a row. Until? Until Mamas had to step in. <laughs> when your mom gets involved when you're a grown man, you know you've been crying on the phone. Stop, stop being so mean to my son. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. Apparently, she didn't watch those clips because he literally, <laughs> he deserved every single bit of it. And now, I got to say, Shaq's rebuttal to that, to show that Shaq and the Fool is all in good fun, had an episode that was all him mm-hmm. about stupid plays of Shaq's career because they just happen. And it's all in good mm-hmm. fun. And But when your mom's, when your mom's <laughs> is telling you, you can't. So, so mm. now it's kind of sad, the fact that. Uh, Shaq is now well. We we say that like Shaq is the one that comes up with these clips, right? But you know, Javale McGee is not allowed to be on Shaq to the Fool anymore because Mama had to intervene. That's and if so that's sad. not and Shaq's mom had to get involved too. Well, that's like Shaq's mom, her Javale's mom. Well, Javale Javale McGee's mom and Shaq's mom are actually mm-hmm. tight, and so. The person who had to, you know, Shaq's mom had to tell tell him to cool it on and, the JaVale Jav- McGee stuff. And that is the only person that's ever been able to completely shut down seven foot one, three hundred and twenty five pound Shaquille O'Neal. Is his mommy three twenty five? My beep. Hey, and, and, and I'm talking about Orlando. Okay. I'm talking about the Orlando Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know what Shaquille O'Neal you're thinking about. Uh, so my secret one. Are you ready? I didn't All want right. to put this on paper because okay. I didn't want to get censored. I didn't want Jason to cut it short, and I didn't want him to, to prevent me from saying this. But the all-time roast, the one that beats all roasts, the player who punked another player so hard and, 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 and in, in a way that, that changes the universe. Okay, let's hear it. Tony Parker. Oh, God. And Brent Berry. Oh. <sighs> Boom. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. You know, I, I will literally roast Tony Parker for the rest of my life. I love Tony Parker, but dude, that's, that's literally the stupidest move in the history of the world. Tony Parker's wife, he had no bigger cheerleader in the world than Ava Longoria. Hmm. Right? She's there with his jersey on, cheering him on every single game. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who she is, she was one of the most beautiful ladies on television on Desperate Housewives mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. uh, 27 years, however long that show was on. <laughs> nine. I think but, it was nine. But okay. <laughs> but point being said, um, decided to have an affair with his teammate's wife. Like what? Like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's, all right. And I'm not, okay, I'm not criticizing by saying that his wife was a dog or something, but... She was not Ava Longoria. She was, yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> like, here's, here's the Here's the thing that's funny is, even my, even my wife was like, he had what? <laughs> like, I just don't get that. He had lost his mind. <laughs> so that is, that goes down as the worst roast... Of all time. He got so ever. much crap for that <laughs> for so long on every show. You know? And just. There, yeah. so and there. nobody could understand what. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's. Maybe she was a terrible person, but it sure didn't seem like it. Uh, okay. It, it, Okay, she but, she was she was a diehard Spurs fan. She she was literally like. 
like so smitten with mm-hmm. with you know with with Tony Parker and you know I guess his smooth Frenchman act. There you go. Okay, but here's but, the thing: but, you're Tony Parker. You're dating a, a, a model, a former model, famous actress. They were dating. No, I'm sorry. You end up marrying a famous yeah. model uh, or a, a former model and a famous actress who becomes your best friend, best ally. Maybe behind the scenes, she's she's crazy. Maybe she was terrible to be around. But you're Tony Parker, all NBA player for a championship team. I think you have your pick of thousands, nay, millions, because you're French women. And you choose your 30-something-year-old, like, teammate's wife. Like, that's, A, going to go anywhere. And, B, were there not any other options? Like, you literally go from New York to L.A. multiple times a year. you know what's bad is that makes me feel like there were probably tons of other options and options that he took. And this is the time that he (laughs) got caught. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. And with that, we're out of time. Oh, boy. What a way to end the show, huh? <laughs> More Spurs talk. Ladies and gentlemen, we Infidelity can't... Infidelity of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> That's right. You get, it, you get it all here on the Over and Back podcast. Lawn mowing, weed eating, infidelity, and Spurs talk. And thank you, Daniel, for that topic. Right. It went on. It was. It was. It, 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 that's the highlight of the show, we right there. We thought that it was fun when we read the questions. Yes. So, uh, yes, we did. We're glad that we could get that in there. And we have to encourage uh, all listeners. Please, our Over and Back Facebook page, our email address: o v e r n b a c k over and back at gmail Email us questions. We have fun with it. We're gonna we're gonna read them when we record it, and we're gonna we're gonna give you shout outs and have really I mean we wouldn't have had a topic like that where we, we were just splitting up and laughing as, as much as uh, we were without you guys making that possible by shooting that over to Absolutely. us Absolutely. and as always have a great week hey happy Easter spend time with your families have a great time we'll see you next week guys peace peace